0: Hi, I'm Scott Corelli And I'm Zach Luna This year, Spider-Man finally joins the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Spider-Man Homecoming But 15 years ago, the friendly neighborhood webhead hit the big screen for the first time ever Introducing Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the Spider-Man movies one minute at a time Starting with Sam Raimi's web-slinging debut, we discuss everything from genetically engineered super spiders to wall-crawling heroics. Join us as we navigate the great power and great responsibility behind every single minute of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Spider-Man Minute, available at DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to Ferris Bueller's Minute Off, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the John Hughes classic Ferris Bueller's Day Off one minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby.
0: I'm Scott Corelli, Substitute Victoria.
1: And we still have John Garcia with us today. Welcome back, John.
2: That was some Foley work <laughs> for you guys. Um, chain Beautiful. rattle, chain rattle. It's really solid. Uh, screeching tires. Uh, uh, a ghost. Oh no, a ghost. A ghost sound. Those are me. Hi, I'm John.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, John. Uh, today, we're talking about Minute 39, which starts with starts with a snoring equalizer it ends with our trio putting their heads against the glass window. Mm. That's terrifying. We'll get to How that.
2: How does okay? So this is back in eighties eighties time. How do you do uh-huh. a single track of you snoring for like several hours? Did he loop like a, a short track of him snoring? Did he take like an hour? Did he record himself while sleeping and just like play that entire tape all day?
0: Because I, I think, think uh, that- C- CD players was a thing in in, in by '86. I think yeah, he's rich enough sure. for that.
2: But even a yeah, he's right. got a CD player. Yeah,
0: so so it's uh it's probably one of those CD players or CDs of like sound effects. It's probably not his snores. It's probably just a sound. Oh, effect Oh, I thought
2: it would have to snores. be his snores because his mother's gonna recognize. No, because he wouldn't
0: be. He wouldn't have been able to put. He wouldn't be able to record, like burn a CD. That was not a thing. Like only professional like studios would have been able to do that. He wouldn't have been able to do that. <laughs> so I don't think it's his snores. I think it's just a
2: like a sound effect I'd like to imagine well,
1: that. So do you think that's where the uh, the sounds from the 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 keyboard he plays earlier? Is oh yeah, the same thing. Yeah,
0: probably
2: could be. I'd like to think that like at one point when his when his mom's not there. That the CD uh, accidentally goes to a track of, like, Halloween sounds. Foley effects. Foley <laughs> effects. Chain rattle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Look at that. came back around. That's I'm perfect. You were act, on point after I'm
1: all. I'm
0: going to act
2: like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> we're
1: all very impressed.
0: Um, I need to point out that this creepy mannequin... Do you guys remember? I, me, I, I haven't... Okay. I haven't been in a Gap in like probably like five years, but like they used to have those mannequins with the really creepy faces. Um, you guys, been in a Gap for the past. Like I just five remember years? all the mannequins. Yeah. I not see in the past in. five years. I don't think. Okay. Yeah, like,
1: that's a thing now because they got they got they got like
0: uh these mannequins for a while, where like all the commercials were like the mannequins and then there was like voiceover (gasps) over the mannequins i
1: remember that yeah i do remember that it's
0: super creepy and like that's what this thing looks like it looks like one of those that he's like sanded off the features like off the eyeballs um that's freaky because it's got like the hair like
2: the ferris sanded this mannequin down
0: if it was one of those gap mannequins is what i'm saying Well, where did he get Um. it
2: I don't know. Maybe where like do you a, get it? I anything? assumed, like, a thrift store. Yeah. <laughs> what it's reminded me of is that uh, that Simpsons episode where uh, they're all going looting, and Chief Wiggins like, oh, mannequins. You can't buy those. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> he probably got him from, like, a junkyard or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Like, I imagine he just was like, ah, what I really need is a mannequin, and he just he hunted down one on one of his days and off. And he could
2: only find half of one. Went and found it. Yeah. Well, that's all you well, need. Well, why doesn't he have... I mean, like, that i guess that's the only explanation for why he doesn't have the whole thing
1: right that he just found it in some junk Mm -hmm. place
0: yeah he bought it for a quarter
2: (laughs) he he goes down to the thrift store and says i want this oh i guess you wouldn't get a cd at a thrift store back then huh (laughs) i i do like to imagine though like someone walking to a thrift store and being like okay i need the cd of sound effects and i want this mannequin can you do that for me (laughs)
1: <laughs> like the mannequin's not also for sale, this though.
2: trophy, this length of twine, um <laughs> and you guys don't have any fancy uh like sound systems, do you, and eh, I'll get one of those myself,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, his sound system's so fancy,
0: it is pretty fancy, it sounds this this scene is always, and it's just snoring, but it's always the bit it's like this scene. Uh, the car, and then the bit at the end, the the the, the run home, are always the, yeah. the three bits that like just sound the best. When you have you ever seen this in a big screen, Gary?
1: I haven't. I haven't.
0: Yeah, those three scenes really stick out. Where you're just like, oh, whoa! I'm watching this on the big screen. Like,
1: that's awesome. Yeah. I would love. Well, to there's do that a reason that
2: times. I mean, if this movie's gonna be referenced, it's either uh-uh. it's it's either one of those. Or maybe like the pointillism museum scene, or maybe the parade. Yep, like those those are the big beats for this movie. Or Bueller. Uh, you know what? Never yeah. mind. This movie's iconic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like super quotable. Uh. <laughs> um.
0: So so I I hinted at a larger conversation that I wanted to bring up. Um, okay. <clears throat> about uh, John Hughes, and uh, I wanted to talk about. A trajectory that he starts to take, and and some themes that uh, he brings up a lot. Um, so last week, you and Victoria were talking about how the adults in these in this movie are like they don't act like real adults; they're like kind of uh-huh. stupid. Um, and this is a good example. I mean, Katie Bueller is falling for this really stupid thing uh, mm-hmm. that it's very elaborate, but it's it's dumb. Um, it shouldn't. A mother should not be falling work. for this. <laughs> Um, No, So she's dumb and, you know, Grace is kind of dumb and Ed Rooney is really dumb. Like, you know, the adults in this movie are are pretty dumb. uh, Yeah. You know, all all around. It's all about kids outsmarting the adults. And um, one thing that you brought up was me referencing. uh, You said that I said that Planes, Trains and Automobiles is a is like a spiritual uh, sequel to this. And that's not entirely accurate. Uh, I I just said that it had like kind of a similar tone. Mm, Uh, But but I actually think that the spiritual sequel to Ferris Bueller's Day Off is not a sequel, but in fact, a prequel. And it's prequels. And those movies are Home Alone and Home Alone 2.
2: Oh, my God. You're so right.
0: Kevin McAllister is a hundred percent the Ferris the Bueller. Ferris Bueller at ten and twelve years old. Okay, so it starts huh, with I like this. When he's
2: six years old, he's Calvin, because Hobbes is imaginary like Ferris, then he's Kevin <laughs> McAllister, then he's Ferris Bueller, and then later in life, he's unnamed protagonist of Fight Club. And then what is he when he's old? Hmm. Maybe just Matthew Broderick oh, like he is man, now. Ferris.
1: But the
0: but the but the themes in um that, that concept of like dumb adults, like that's an ongoing thing with uh, Oh sure with with uh, with John Hughes and especially in the Home Alone movies. Mm-hmm. Um which yeah. he wrote and did not direct, but still. Um it's there and it's definitely Kevin McAllister is definitely like when you're a kid, Kevin McAllister is the coolest kid. Oh yeah. Ever. And it's exactly how you feel about Ferris Bueller. Um 100%. A lot of the same stuff. Like all he wants to do is have a good time. You know, like he's setting up traps. Sure. He's 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 setting up like situations to like outsmart adults. I mean,
2: it's it's yeah. interesting. You have to go because, back and watch the Home Alone movies me, now. Kevin McAllister uh does all the elaborate um murder house things. Well, he's he's not mm-hmm. like he's nowhere near as like morally ambiguous as Ferris is. Well, he's younger, but he, yeah, but he kills those robbers several times over. <laughs> Daniel Stern, it is is dead in like in, within the first like minute of going into that house and uh, other dude. You
0: mean in Home Alone two? What?
2: Huh?
0: In In Home Alone two.
2: What? Well, no, in in Home Alone one, they're both they both die too. They're all dying.
0: Oh, okay. They, <laughs> he okay. hits
2: him with like a bowling ball on a string, and he sets the <laughs> dude on fire. He electrifies him. Home Alone is just uh,
1: it is pretty extreme. Home Alone is, no,
2: the electrification
0: the the electrification is in is in the is in the second. Oh, okay. In the in the in the New York murder here's, house. Here's um, but my <laughs> argument
2: is that if Home Alone is a prequel to anything, it's like the Saw movies.
0: Oh, no, I think it's... I've pre- heard I th- that. I, I mean, yeah, I don't mean literally, but I just mean like a spiritual <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, prequel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Like, like oh, I wonder what Ferris Bueller would be like at, you know, 10 years old. Well, this and then
2: this does the whole... Like, this That's is cute. a very common 80s thing where it's the Rube Goldberg machine.
1: Mm-hmm. Like I really like it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's just like the openings of Back to the Future or, or Pee-wee's Big Adventure or, you know... A, a lot of these things are. It's like, oh, one thing leads to another. It's so elaborate and cool that was kind of in the '80s slash '90s spirit of, sort of whimsical in a way that uh, I I feel like we're kind of too cynical to see in movies now. Without it being like, okay, this is clearly mm-hmm. just a parody of itself, almost. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sure. this is back when that could be taken seriously in a film.
1: I like it. Alright, do we have anything else for the the bedroom, for Ferris bedroom before we move on to Let's uh, go
2: up a building I, well I do,
0: I do want to I just, I, I want to bring up the fact that uh, Ferris and Katie have a love theme um,
1: you're,
0: Okay, I, you're calling it a love I, theme? I, <laughs> well, yeah, that what What do you call how a mother feels about her son? Well, just
2: when I hear love thing, I you know, I, I think of like Han and Leia, or something like that, where it's less uh, familiar.
0: romance. Yeah, yeah, that's not what I'm talking okay. about. I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I, I, I know, theme.
2: I know. It's just like that was my initial response. <laughs> my bad. All
0: right, get your head out of the gutter, John. This,
2: okay, my my <laughs> for this minute is not until later. It's not until the later half. So. <laughs>
0: is it the two guys with the hats?
2: Um, I hope it's the two guys. Actually, with the hats. <laughs> wait a second. Yeah, yeah, it is the two guys with the hats. <laughs> okay. So, was about to, so anyway, I was, I yeah, I just want to. My just, next minute ship. my bad.
0: <laughs> I just, I love that. I love that. Uh, I just, I just love that. Ferris and Katie have a love theme. Mm-hmm.
1: It's uh it's sweet. Like she's it's just a, like it...
0: walking away from the door, and you just start hearing it, and you're like, oh, she loves her son. Bless her See?
1: heart. <laughs> On the soundtrack, uh, yeah. that little love theme is still part of the, like, Mom Checks on Ferris track. Oh, that's a weird... That, uh, that has oh. the yeah, spooky, creepy... It, like, transitions from the one into the other, but it's all one piece of music. Mm. I mean, I guess that makes sense. That's weird. That's where it's
2: played in the film. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is... you. There's nothing... I mean, there's just a really strong thing with, you know, parental love and... Uh, to some extent, also, you know, maternal love is very... I mean, it's a powerful theme mm-hmm. in... Uh, specifically in movies that are podcasted about by Gary and Victoria
0: yeah, that's true they <laughs> that they, is true. they reprise that love theme though like at the end right after like when they when he gets home later don't they use it again like before he turns to the camera one last time I think it feels like they do in my I, fe- in my I think you're right well, I mean
1: Um, I have not watched this movie to the end in a couple of weeks. Movie scoring uses a
2: lot of, like, themes and, and, like, almost, like, you know, like, sampling yourself and doing variations of that kind of thing. Well, yeah, that's, mm, well, that's why,
0: that's why I was pointing out, that's, well, well, my point was that it is a theme, it's not just, like, part of that other music, it's...
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. it's, like, it's its own distinct thing.
0: Yeah, because they bring it back later. But it's
1: also really interesting because a lot of movies, when I think of movie scores, I feel like music happening through, like, a lot of the movie through like like you kind of it it's always there so you sort of tune out unless you're not re- unless you're like paying attention to the music. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of the background of Ferris is quiet mm-hmm. and then you'll get like a music cue or you'll hear like a song that he's put on the soundtrack. Yeah, it really jumps out but, when uh, there,
2: there are a I lot actually of really yeah. quiet moments. Yeah. I actually
0: think that that's part of the reason why. Uh, Victoria has like so much trouble with the the lack of realism in the movie is because mm. the movie is telling you that this is reality, but yeah. nothing yeah. in the movie is reality. Like it's it's everything is heightened, but there's no music to tell you like that the tone
1: is heightened. They kind of cue you into that, mm-hmm. right?
0: And so like it's sort of uh it's like a mishmash of things, and so. Yeah, like, I can understand, like, Victoria being frustrated because she's like, but there's no sound, and so this is the real world, but nothing's like the – nothing works yeah, like, like this the real
1: world. It really yeah. happened. Uh-huh. It's almost right. like it's yeah. the
2: real world as seen by a mentally unstable person imagining his – sorry, oh, I keep going back to this. Well, guys, the hats. What are the hats about? Why are they – what, is, what, okay. is the hat? what are the hats? What's the hats? Okay. other
0: than amazing other than amazing
2: they, they are pre-
1: okay okay so so we're at sears tower you know i never knew like we have this before we cut into the into the building itself um i've never been to chicago and i don't really recognize landmarks from places that i have not traveled to before so mm. i didn't know that this was an establishing shot of sears tower when we cut into it like i was just like oh like they're in one of these tall buildings It it's like right in the middle of the frame Um <laughs> And can't, we, hear, we hear them speaking before we actually mm-hmm. cut inside. Cameron says, Ferris, you think the car's all right? And Ferris is just like, sure. This is the world's tallest building. Like, he I'd, doesn't care I'd like to
2: think that, right or that or like, the whole elevator ride up, because that's got to be a long elevator ride, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. They are on the 103rd geez. floor. Jeez. So the whole time he's like, but the, ca- the car, Ferris, what do you think about the car? I thought I heard a screeching the, uh, behind us. The elevator ride to the top of Sears Tower is an
0: absolute nightmare, and it is the line to get to the elevator. It's like a theme park attraction. Well, wow. it
2: would it? Be it is in the middle a, of a absolute of a nightmare. Like like this?
0: Yeah, it is all the time because it's it's Chicago, mm. so there's tourists all okay. the time. Mm. Yeah, when I went, it was during the week, and it was. I think we waited in line for an hour and a half.
1: Oh no! Um, yeah. Okay, so we've we've been trying to ask like what time we think it is, and that really pushes things back a lot.
0: Yeah. No. No, it doesn't. It doesn't because he's Ferris Bueller, so he would have figured. Oh, he probably out a just way. waltzed up. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He would have right. figured out I... a way to get on the elevator, just
0: walk right in. So.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I'm trying to find out how uh, long it takes for the elevator to go up. It is one of the elevators in the Sears Tower are some of the fastest in the country. In in the continent. Wow. They can go up to uh they can go about eighteen miles per hour. Hmm. And I'm trying to figure out how long that takes. Uh it looks like a video uh going up it is about three minutes, so it could be that that long. Okay. Um Yeah. Huh.
0: I just know the tour lady just like talked the entire ride
2: up, just like Cameron. She oh, was saying, uh, "Are you sure the car's okay?"
0: Yeah, can, yeah. Can she we, was can asking, "Can we go back and check on it? <laughs> um, <laughs> Is your
1: car but, okay?" But
2: once
0: you, sure you get up boring? there, once you get up there, everyone, everyone, does the Ferris Bueller thing.
1: Yeah, like climbs up and puts their head against yep. the glass. Uh, That's every, terrifying. I don't every, think every do
0: single person does it. Every single
1: person in the in the commentary track, which I think I think the commentary took place like maybe a decade after the filming happened, um, because he refers back to it like as if it happened a long time ago. It's interesting, but John Hughes says, "I don't think we were allowed to do that," <laughs> which I like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it says you're not allowed to step on the thing, but everyone does it and no one says anything because they're like, yeah, Ferris Bueller. It's Ferris Bueller. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Ferris says that this is the world's tallest building, and uh, it's not anymore. It hasn't been Mm -hmm. for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sears Tower is the 16th largest uh, tallest building in the world. It's not even called... It's it's not even called Sears Tower anymore. I don't think
2: it's Willis Tower. Right? Did they sell it to a different company or something? I mean, because Sears isn't. I don't Sears know. Sears is barely around anymore. It's one of those. <laughs> oh, that's still a thing.
0: My favorite. My favorite Willis. thing in it that was ever in Chicago, which which uh, it's not there anymore, and I got mm. really sad last time I went to Chicago. But on your way in from Chicago, at least from from the south. Which is where I would be driving from because it's, Uh you know, north of me. Um, When uh, you're on the outskirts and you can see Chicago, like in the distance, the city in the distance, and you're driving in, and my favorite stupid dad joke is like on the way there, there's a building that's like, it's kind of narrow and it's about maybe maybe six stories tall like not that tall right but it's right next to the interstate and it's not it's not a big building like it's just like a looks like a like a warehouse that's just like six stories tall and the sears logo is on it (laughs) and so every time i go by i'm just like sears tower not that impressive
1: (laughs) oh i love that (laughs) Uh, I see taller. The the building itself is one thousand four hundred and fifty feet, but but Ferris says in the next minute he he puts it at one thousand three hundred and fifty three. I think he feet, says it in which this is
2: minute too. he says it twice. I, I know. Does he say
1: it in this minute? He might. I th- yeah. I think he mentions it. Um. Every and everything was peaceful for one thousand three hundred fifty three feet. I think. That's yeah, that's tomorrow. tomorrow but I, I think he, uh, he says it twice. And that's at least, the
2: I don't
1: know. height of where they are located. They're on the sky deck, which is the 103rd oh. floor. And that's what that's where the height of that floor in particular is. Right. Uh the tallest building in America is actually the the new World Trade Center building. It mm. is 1776 feet and it is intentionally 1776 oh. for for the
2: World Trade Center building. That is wow. so entirely like I mean, I I, I get it. I get it, but that's. That's the most American
0: (laughs) thing I've ever heard. It's
2: so kind of cheesy thing that, um, like, calling, (laughs) calling to your other, uh, podcast right now, Scott. Like, it's the kind of thing that is like the, you mess with New York, you mess with all of us. Remember? (laughs) Everyone has a flag on the doorstep. The terrorists, ah. (laughs) Like, yes, we get it. We're American. We like being American. We like the country, all right. We don't need to, like, The building is 17. Yeah, it's a a George Bush at 100% approval rating kind of of, uh, thing. I mean, uh, mean, look,
0: it's literally like, you know, it's reference to like, I I understand. That's that's
2: the thing is that, like, it is, there's a certain, um, like, if it was
0: just some random building, I'd be on board. There's a certain
2: charm to, like, something being a little bit silly, which I think is what that invokes. It's this kind of thing. Okay. Where it's like, yeah, that's like, oh, I see what. you, Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's like a. It's like <laughs> how they make you know all the bills, uh, like the congressional bills, into weird acronyms. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's a it's a silly it's a silliness, but you you can't hate it. You know, it, it, there's, there's something charming yep. about it.
1: Mm. So the dudes in hats <laughs> should we talk about yes. the hats? what are those hats? Yes. This wasn't John Hughes' idea. Those guys are not extras that they brought on for the scene. They're just guys that are at the Sears Tower today. Um, This is not long before the Von Steuben parade is supposed to happen, so I think they assume that these guys are like people in town for the parade.
2: (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) This is the only thing that can make these guys better. Is that they're just random
1: guys. They are. are <laughs> just, just dudes coward. that are there. They're just like
2: John Hughes, just <laughs> been like, "Hey, those guys. Those guys. See those guys with the hats? Come on, get them in the shot. Get them in the <laughs> shot. <Ask> them, <laughs> like, get, get them in the
0: two shot." real guys. Yes, with real
2: hats. Like it's yes. Not a movie. <laughs> well, I love it because they're otherwise they're just. In suits. There's no point. They're like. Yeah, if yeah. they were in completely weird outfits, it's like, okay, this is just some weird stuff that you'd see, you know, <laughs> you don't see it every day, but, like, it fits... It's internally consistent. But the fact that it's just guys looking like they're in business attire, but like they just had a <laughs> um like an all expenses paid expense account lunch where they got super drunk at like a fancy themed restaurant and got weird hats put on their they head by so like hats. the waitresses. Without
0: without the hats they'd look like Statler and Waldorf. Like
2: <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: uh, oh, this this view's not half bad. It's not half good either. <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> I love S- Settler and Waldorf for my favorite Muppets, Scott. <laughs> oh, they're the best.
1: Oh, man. This 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 is great. <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, let me before I started like taking notes for the for minutes by minutes. Like I, I had never noticed these guys' hats before because they're <laughs> How they're, did they're, you they're kind of, well because I'm not really paying attention to them. They're not they're not the major thing on the screen. No, like, but
0: they are wearing very eye catching hats.
1: It they're only on the screen for. Like, they're on the screen the, ten, whole, ten
0: like, the whole rest of this minute. like twenty five seconds. Yeah, okay. yeah it's, it's like I don't know. You know that, I just never... that
2: whoever set up the shot, like I don't know if it was like you know, it was probably John Hughes, but that like they weren't gonna do this shot. But then they got the guys in half, and they're like, "Well, we have to have them in the shot, but we can't have it be too obvious that they're like <laughs> in the shot." So we're gonna do like a far away thing. The the framing of this I, is I, specifically set it's up. It's really interesting. Of those guys.
1: Oh, yeah. I I don't know. Somehow I just never thought about it. I don't know why. I the never guy on the right, in, like, the, the guy on the
0: right, the guy on the left should be extremely jealous of the guy on the right's hat because the guy on the right's hat has a feather in it that is as long as his entire body. Well yeah, he's got to yes. attract a
2: mate, Scott. Come on. <laughs> I think he found it. I think Aww. he found his mate.
1: Shipping. Oh. <laughs> yes, yes, I'll ship these guys. <laughs> Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> oh, it's magnificent. It's magnificent.
0: Yeah.
1: Um so so I
0: I I one thing that I really like about Uh, you know, we were talking about like how, um, right. I had suggested how they're like ego, super ego. Mm -hmm. And what I, what I like about this scene in particular is that Ferris says, everybody hop on the thing and he, he does it. And as soon as he says, everybody hop on the thing. Sloane just does yeah, it. Yeah, she's she's does like
2: it? in the middle of it, and he's like, "Come on, everybody!" And it's like, "Okay, we know you're talking about Cameron." So like, you don't have to. Right, yeah. Cameron, and then he specifically Cameron has to call takes yeah
0: forever yeah to <laughs> to finally get up there. But like, I like that because it's like it's like okay, Ferris is the idea man. Sloane trusts Ferris completely. And mm-hmm. she knows that anything he says, let's do this, it's going to be a good time. It doesn't matter what it is. And so, if he's like let's do this thing, she's like all right, let's do it. Like she's like the best improv partner Ferris could ever she's have, mm-hmm. him, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just yes-anding him. And then Cameron is like the worst improv partner <laughs> you could possibly have. Um, cuz all he does is second guess and question everything. Has, uh, do you
2: think Ferris has done this before? Does he? Has he gone to the Sears Tower like alone and done this, or like with his parents and been like, "I'm going to do the thing"? Maybe... I can imagine him
1: going with his parents, like his parents and his sister when they're kids, and he yeah. just runs off and Genie does being this. Being the one to not climb up with him, oh,
2: yeah, I'd be so, I'd have, I'd be so worried being his parents, especially since he's obviously their favorite child.
0: Or or maybe he went when he was younger and his dad like picked him up and leaned him over the thing, you know.
1: Ah.
0: Yeah. And so he's like That's remembering cuter. that and he's like, Oh yeah, this was fun. Let's do this.
1: <laughs> That's adorable. I like that.
0: Yeah. I just I really I really like uh I don't know. I just really like the three of them. Like I, I, Me I too. like I like how, you know, like like Sloane is like, you know, the the she she just, you know, she's yes anding and then he's like the opposite and Ferris is the leader. Like it's just it's a really nice dynamic between these three. Well
2: I mean mm-hmm. Ferris is the Ferris is, is the is the action. He's the the the, the body of, of this group. Well uh like Sloan is like the, the mind, like she's the one who like thinks about it and then does it. She's like, Oh yeah, that does sound like a good idea where like Cameron's the heart where he's just all about, like, I'm, he's always preoccupied within himself. He's always uh, hmm. introspective and always, like, everything he does. It, Wouldn't that be the mind?
1: Yeah, I feel like I would switch uh, Sloan and, and Cameron. In yeah, that case. okay. Like, him yeah, being the I'm, mind and I her mean, being I'm the cool
2: heart. I'm on my ass, so yeah. <laughs> like, Cameron yeah. yeah. Fer- Fer- no, is the I think, yeah. Ferris is you're the, on the soul.
0: Right track. Ferris is the soul. Sloan is the heart. And Cameron's the brain. Yeah,
2: well, Cameron, because. Sloane's, like, whole thing in this movie is basically, follow what Ferris says, and kind of, like, almost a little bit keep an eye to make sure Cameron's okay as well, but, like, kind of keeping it together. Ferris is the leader, and Cameron, like, honestly would do whatever, but he he's not into it. Like, I mean, this is a little Mm -hmm. bit next minute, but whenever he's doing anything, it's not about what he's doing, it's about How it relates to his, like, terrible messed up home life. Mm -hmm. And his own mental problems that he has. He's a very... Cameron is a very profoundly unhappy individual. And Ferris is trying to help in the way that he would help himself in this situation. Which Mm -hmm. does not work. Like, it very briefly works. Like, later with the museum and things. Where where uh, Cameron, like, really starts to think about himself and then falls down in his face after, you know, with the whole car thing. Where, at the end of this movie, you're like, I'm not sure if Cameron actually is better off because Mm -hmm. now he has to face actions that are way above his pay grade. Like, he he had some character development and then you don't know what happens to that character development. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Cameron needs a therapist and instead uh, he's got, like, a... Like a motivational speaker.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was always my that that's always what I thought happened to Ferris in the future is that he became a motivational speaker I... and that Cameron ran the business, but oh no, like well, he's Cameron the guy, didn't do anything. In he the was future. the guy that's like, like he was in charge. He's the guy that's like in charge of like you know like he keeps track of like selling Ferris's like. Help, self-help books that he sells and stuff like that. But like Ferris is the motivational speaker. Um, what does what does Slum do then? That's what I think. Uh, I don't. I think she. I honestly think she grows out of Ferris. Yeah, really yeah
2: that's true. I don't know because here's the thing. I don't think Cameron does that in the future because I don't think Cameron. Um, how do I put this? Delta? You think
0: Cameron's dead? I guess. Yes. The joke. No. It's not a uh,
2: joke. I honestly. I mean, this is a very very dark movie. Um, I honestly think that Cameron, I don't know if he, like, if his dad kills him or something, but I think he, um, I think he is, uh, he's, he's profoundly stunted by uh, a kind of a combination of having a really good day and then having it come crashing down uh, literally. And, you know, later with his dad where Mm -hmm. his relationship with his father was already unhealthy in this, um, the unseen scene after this movie kind of is the straw that breaks the camel's back, and he's never, ever going to have a good relationship with his... I mean, he didn't before, but now it's completely destroyed his relationship with his father. I mean, Ferris is almost like his fun dad because he doesn't have a, a good dad. And, I mean, that's another thing John Hughes movies are about, um, is bad dads. Um, I mean, like, Breakfast Club is has the sub like mm-hmm. the subtitle um white kids have shitty parents um and this movie's subtitle is like a a w- one particular guy goes through incredible changes until he steps too deep in it uh i think at the at the very end of this movie um cameron has to basically start his whole life over and he doesn't know where it goes and i don't think any anyone knows where it goes uh, he's profoundly damaged in a way that I don't know uh, it, like what it does to a person just depends on the person
0: mm. well I I think that Ferris keeps helping him um, and I think Ferris is the one who gave him that job Ferris and isn't, I do Ferris is not the
2: kind of person who does help one person he, he doesn't yes he, he is
0: yes yes he is he literally that's well, literally his whole he's thing He's trying but I don't movie. think
2: he can. I don't think that Ferris is the right person to help out. If anyone is to help out Cameron, it's Sloane because Sloane is the person who thinks like way later in the movie. She's the one who says, "Is Cameron going to be okay?" And Ferris is the one who's like, "Yeah, I'll be fine." He doesn't know that she's also the one
1: that like has the actual heartfelt like, "What are you going to do after college or after high Mm -hmm. school?" And uh, they actually have like a meaningful conversation about the future. Which is something that I don't think Ferris considers. Well, that's
2: like I mean, we'll get more into this next minute. But I mean, if any, more of a couple, more profound and and uh, close of a couple, and this is like not like my shipping jokes or anything like that. Then sure. Ferris and Sloane is Cameron and Sloane. I mean, uh, Cameron. You know, he he doesn't seem to have ever had like a meaningful, loving relationship before, but. Uh, Sloan is the exact kind of person that he could have one with, and like you said, Scott, um, Sloan and, uh, I almost said Peter Parker. Why did I almost say that's Peter Parker? Ferris Bueller <laughs> are never, are they're never going to work out in the long term. Um, and while I think a Sloan and Cameron relationship might not work out, because it might be kind of like a mothering thing where it's like, oh you just needed me to help you emotionally mature, not to be, like, mm-hmm. a real equal relationship. Which, let's be real, none of the relationships in this movie are equal relationships. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, uh, well, like, Cameron and and Sloane are the, they're the real, I think if anyone, if any two people in this movie were actually to have, like, a a real romantic connection, other than, like, established parents and stuff, and Obviously, Ed, mm. Ernie and Madge, but you know, whatever. Um, it would be those two. Mm, I don't. I don't agree with that because I don't think.
0: I don't think Sloane has an, absolutely any romantic feelings for Cameron. Um, I
2: would disagree with you but, there, but okay.
0: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. No, I don't think she does at all. I could
1: see it the other way around, though. I can definitely see the like- yes. The Cameron crushing on Sloane. That's that's just,
2: that's practically canon. That's practically canon. I mean, the whole, like, oh, did you see me change my clothes later? I mean, that's...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. His reaction, oh, for sure.
2: But then she says she didn't mind, and it's, yeah. So, this is something I kind of want to get into next minute with the whole dynamic between the three of them. Uh, I'm going to spoil it early. My ship for next minute is uh, is the three of them in kind of a triad. They are very much a codependent uh, three-person mm-hmm. deal. Like, Ferris and uh, Ferris and Sloane don't work because, like you said, we- she'll, she'll outgrow him. Um, Ferris and Cameron uh-huh. don't work because it naturally kind of devolves into almost like an abusive thing, um, kind of reflective mm-hmm. of Cameron's relationship with his father, if a little more benign, um, where Cameron just wants to please Ferris, and Ferris just wants to, like, get Cameron to be the person Ferris wants him to be. And Cameron and Sloane don't work because it's, you know, again, like kind of a mothering thing. But the three of them kind of all balance out.
0: I I feel like that's I, – I, I think that's assuming a lot about Ferris and that you're suggesting that Sloane and Cameron can grow but Ferris can't, which I think is – incorrect but then again you also incorrectly believe that ferris bueller is a socio okay look at um, look at so. character
2: development in this film cameron obviously is the character with the most development but sloan gets a little bit because she you know she she kind of her feelings for ferris evolve a little bit in this movie and um you see her become like tender and stuff where i mean he, I think she has moments. I don't think she has developed. But even even yeah. if Ferris isn't like a sociopath or anything, he's never like introspect. He's he's maybe introspective a tiny no, bit he, when he's like, I'll take the. He's plan.
0: not, but he's 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 seventeen.
2: So like, are Cameron and, and Sloan's younger,
0: right? But but my point is that like they had a day of change. Ferris Bueller didn't. Mm-hmm. Like it's just one day. Dude. I mean, this is it's one this day. Is
2: another thing where I was like. In the semi-serious way of saying that, like, oh, Ferris is like a figment of imagination. Is Ferris is a force of nature? He's a catalyst. Mm-hmm, he's yes, never explored as correct. a full human being in this movie. Um, no, because Cameron no. doesn't see him as one. Because he
0: isn't one. He's a he's a mythical creature. Exa- <laughs> thank
2: you, finally. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, no, yeah, he's he's a, he's he's a, he's like a legend
2: in this movie. Like it's I mean, he not. He does literally. I mean, he appears in a. He's water tower. a he's a fable.
0: He, he's a fable. He's an ideal. Hero. He's a folk hero. He's not, he's not a, uh, he's, he is a real person in this movie, but he's not, like, he's not, he
2: represents an ideal. I like
0: how you're stepping um, around
2: the, like, the analogy yeah, to point out that, yeah, no, because, I don't because, agree with your Because theory. I know,
0: it's, you're, I, because you're just, like, a goddamn landmine I have to, like, remove no, myself no. from. I, um, I get
2: that, but I think that's, that feeds in, uh, that, that's why my, like, that's, that's why I, I think about, I like to think about a theory, it's because... That's the role that he's playing, even if he's not literally fictional. He is a folk he's a he's a tall tale. but
0: mm-hmm. I do, but I do think he learns about friendship. That's what I think that Ferris learns is that
2: mm-hmm. okay, we can think different things. yeah, that's fine.
0: yeah, no I think I think he learns when Cameron agrees to take the heat for that that car mm-hmm. and like he was willing to take it. And Cameron's like, no, 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 this is it, – it's going to be good. We're going to have a talk and blah, blah, blah. I I think what Ferris learns is to sort of appreciate his friends and appreciate that he can't solve their problems, which is not something that he's used to. He's mm-hmm. used to solving problems. Yeah. And yeah. what he learns here is that he can't solve that problem. Yeah, I think that ties Only into, Cameron can solve that, that problem. That
2: ties like what, what I was saying earlier where it's like, yeah, Cameron – has, is, is, he's the kind of person who, I mean, if we want to get, like, really real here, he's the kind of person who's going to suffer with, um, the emotional stuntedness from his father and any, like, actual, like, inborn mental problems that he has and all that kind of stuff, like, in a cocktail of, like, at certain points in his life, even if he has just the perfect life from now on, Cameron's just gonna, like, be sad and think that he was always reaching for something that he's never like even if he actually in reality does, he's never gonna feel like he's reached that level of being accepted by people he loves and, and being truly loved back, and it's a very sad thing. And uh, he he needs that. And the the thing is, a Ferris is like a is like a is a, is a quick fix at least right now because like I mean, like you said, he's seventeen. He's not a therapist. He, he doesn't actually know what's best for Cameron, but he knows something that will cheer at Cameron for now. That's why it's a really sad, weird moment where Ferris is like, okay, we did this good day. Cameron's going to be fine. He learned to stand up to his father, but that's not how relationships work. If you stand up to your father once after like years of emotional abuse, it then it's not like everything is magically fixed. This is going to be something that Cameron and his father and Ferris and everyone involved in their lives is always going to deal with just the fact that uh Cameron's just had a messed up life and that's like that's the sad I think that's a like we were saying underlying themes of John Hughes movies like you know Breakfast Club where parents don't understand and they cause irreparable harm not even just by being um bad people although it, it certainly seems from what we hear about uh Cameron's dad that he's a bad person but I mean, that's the sad realization that you learn growing up, and I mean, Cam- uh, Cameron, uh, John Hughes is all about coming of age movies. The lesson that you learn when you reach that age that your parents are people, and they're people who, who just, they fuck up. Everything is, ev- everything they do is tinged by the fact that their parents messed up raising them, and they'll mess up raising you, and that'll just hurt you, you know? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a sad fact of life, man. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting, I'm actually getting a little emotional here. <sighs> well, um, Gary's mic died. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so, I guess, uh, so Scott, Gary fell out during that. He, his mic died. So we're doing the ending <laughs> oh, together. Is that what we're we're, is, we're working with a net here, doing? dude. Well, we have to say this so that the listener will know. There's literally, no host from this show right now. Is that what's happening? This is this is the new podcast. Scott and John talking other podcast. We go on other podcasts and just try and fill in for them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we 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 beat this podcast. We <laughs> we've won. <laughs> we we invaded and we loss. won We actually won <laughs>
2: uh, This is This is our podcast now Well I mean I, I guess that works I mean Scott you're kind of you're, you're the right. dueling genre guy And I guess I'm like your I'm your henchman now Who always gives up, gives <laughs> out theories that you really hate And like you do a comical like bonking on the head And we this whole comic routine <laughs> Oh, uh, well. So I guess alright I guess we're um listeners uh Well <laughs> Okay, wait, no, Scott, we can totally do this. You be Gary, I'll go back to being Victoria, and we'll we'll totally we'll just outro this. <laughs> we'll outro this bitch. You ready for this? You ready? Scott, say say some say some Gary things.
0: Um Well, I uh I think that's all there is for this minute i think that's all my notes. oh yes
2: governor that's right look for that's me right quick we'll jump with a spot of tea in
0: it <laughs> all right i think we're good <laughs> i think we're good okay i'm gonna stop my recording <laughs> we'll see you guys tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> mischief no oh. takashay <laughs>